This is Voices of the Industry, the Apps Alliance podcast. Hello, this is Jacob Goldstein of the Application Developers Alliance, and today I am lucky enough to have two great guests from the apps industry on with me. Ian Sefferman was one of the founders of ASO Platform Mobile Dev HQ, which was recently acquired by mobile analytics giant Tune. And Roby Ganguly is the CEO of Aptenive, one of the leaders in user engagement technology. Today we'll be talking about both user acquisition and engagement and the ways that emerging techniques in both can help smaller developers keep up in an increasingly crowded and ever-evolving app marketplace. Hi guys, thanks for coming on with me today. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, and I was wondering if you guys wanted to, to take some time to introduce yourselves and uh, your companies to us. Ian, if you want to start. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Ian Sefferman. Uh, I work at Tune, which was formerly known as Has Offers, and I head up the inbound App Store Analytics uh, product here, which is a product that we call Mobile Dev HQ. And Mobile Dev HQ was actually just acquired by Tune. Uh, it was a company I founded, and we focus on App Store optimization, so really helping marketers understand and improve how they're doing in search in the App Store and how to acquire high-quality, organic users for their apps. Great. Roby, if you want to introduce yourself. Sure. I'm Roby Ngu, CEO and co-founder of Aptenev, and Aptenev is uh, the easiest way for every company with an app to communicate with their customers inside the app. So that's everything from intelligent ratings prompts to in-app surveys, in-app chat, and uh, various other tools to communicate at the right time and right place with mobile customers. Awesome. Um, To start, I just wanted to uh, sort of get where you guys stand on user retention metrics, because there's a lot out there, and uh, I think for a lot of developers, like, identifying the right numbers to be looking at for this sort of businessy stuff is, uh, is something that they're not super comfortable with. So what do you guys think is the key indicator of good user retention? So I'll, I'll jump in and then, then hand it over to Ian to add to what I miss. Um, so I think there are a couple really key areas to focus on. So DAUs and MAUs are really important. Daily active users, monthly active users, those are like metrics around the number of people who are active over a time period and then being able to track that for the same cohort month to month and quarter to quarter uh, allows you to understand how that group is is acting over time. Um, We also look at uh, opens after a time period following an install. So often referred to as like seven-day installs, 14-day installs, like thinking about if somebody's installed your app and if they're they're still using the app 7, 14, 30 days out. Um, and then we believe in um, really thinking about the loyalty factor. So p- people who regularly use the app um, based upon a time period that is rele- rele- relevant to your app. So that means um, for many games, we expect to see apps that are used on almost a daily basis. For utility-based apps, it's more like a weekly or monthly basis. But seeing that um, curve over time and understanding if people are regularly using it according to the dynamics of your app over the three, six, and 12-month time periods. 
Okay. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a that's pretty spot on. I come at things a little bit from the from the acquisition perspective, uh, and and in particular from the search perspective, and thinking about sort of that ratio of of installs to uninstalls on a daily basis is super important. Uh, and then the the sort of time window of of how frequently are are those uh, opens happening? So the seven day install, the fourteen day install, those tend to help out rankings. Um, so from, from an engagement perspective of, of how are you going to utilize and, and take advantage of your engagement for, for more acquisition, those are the things that matter the most in, in my world. I would say the other, the other metric that you can think about is just sort of are the, are the users continuously completing the actions and events within your app that you want them to complete? Um, so are they hitting new levels in a game? Uh, are they are they moving forward and, and getting more advanced in your app and in whatever way that may be? Okay, um, Ian, I just want to sort of follow up. And when you talk about, um, you obviously focus on search and and that sort of acquisition method. Do you think that um, for sort of the immediate after like after download retention stuff, is there a difference between people the way you have to treat people who found your app naturally through a search mechanism and the way? And the way you treat users who came in through paid acquisition methods like advertising and other such things. Uh, so that's a that's a great question, um, one that I don't think there's an easy answer to, and I, and I don't think has been solved at all. Ideally, you want to you want to provide those who have come through naturally and and organically with with sort of a, a slightly more tailored experience, right? Because they know they know what they wanted, and you want to give them that access to that information quickly. Um, whereas if somebody has come through from a from an advertisement where all they've seen maybe is just a you know a quick banner on on another app, they might not really have the context of understanding what your app is, and so you might want to give them a broader perspective of this is what we do, here's how we do it, and walk them through more slowly uh, versus just getting straight to the content that you want. And Ruby, I was wondering, do you think that 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 kind of the immediate tailored experience is something that that is necessary in all apps or is that something that maybe the simpler more obvious to use apps can avoid in in hopes of letting users discover the functionality more naturally well i mean i don't know that it's an either or choice right so it depends on where you are in your sophistication of developing your app and understanding your market so you don't have to think about it right as a precursor to launching your first version but I do think that anytime you can tailor the experience better to consumers, that you can tailor it better to the needs and the, the use cases you understand about them, the more likely you are to, to stay top of mind to get them to go in deeper. So anytime you can actually invest in personalization, you should. Uh, but don't think that it's a requirement just in order to launch. Okay. Okay. That's interesting stuff. I was wondering, um, what do you think in terms of the ability to response, uh, the ability to respond to the app, and the ability to communicate with you, and just sort of the general user retention tools, should a developer have at launch? Like, what should be your day one features? Uh, I'll answer this uh, because I think the answer is simple, and you should have Aptenive installed. <laughs> I'll plug for Roby there, um, but really, I think like you know, the the. the uh, the, the things on my in my head is that you basically you just want 
highest level possible, you want an open communication line between you and your users, right? And and it turns out Aptanev does that really, really well, and that's why that's why I, I I recommend them. But I think that you know you don't have to have everything solved, but you at least have to have the line of communication open wide enough that you understand what you haven't solved and what solved and what you need to solve first. Yeah, Roby, do you have anything to add or? Well, uh, I mean, I think that Ian's right. You should be working with us. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> like the, the, the reality is that every company we've ever seen that launches without thinking about this within probably 15 to 30 days gets frustrated that they don't know what's going on for their consumer and that they don't have a rep to communicate. So you have to, you have to think about that day one. And you know, sometimes that's an email link. Sometimes it's using something like us. Uh, and sometimes it's just having a... a a good listening tool and a set of outreach on Facebook or Twitter. But ultimately, you're going to want to become more sophisticated if you're in the app space at all for a long period of time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to have, to have tools for things like that because if, uh, if you don't have ways for people to communicate with you, they'll do it through the app store. And if there are problems, that's going to come out in the form of bad reviews, which obviously every developer would, would love to avoid whenever possible. So I was wondering, um, from your perspective, yeah. Roby, how deeply do you think you need to integrate the kind of uh, natural feedback that you get through these communication channels with sort of your in-app analytics platforms, things like, you know, App Annie and Distimo and, and Click Maps and stuff like that? Well, so um, to, be, to be clear, I think App Annie and Distimo, for the most part, are used to actually understand the analytics around app stores, right, mm-hmm. like down purchases, that sort of stuff. So they're not actually as in-app as maybe a, a flurry. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry, I spoke. Oh. Um, so those are tools that people are using in the apps. And people uh, that use us and use those tools together find that they get a, a pretty broad picture of implicit behavior plus explicit uh, customer feedback and insights into desires. I think that that really robust way of looking at the world um, as to whether or not it has to be super deeply integrated, I don't think that is a requirement. And, and part of the reason is that they, they satisfy kind of different needs, right? So um, when people are using things like Flurry, what they're really looking for are, like, what are people clicking on in certain pages? Where are they getting to in the app? Am I, am I building an app that is actually used sort of broadly in the use cases I expected or is nobody getting to the place where I expected them, them to be? And for us, what they're doing is then they're asking about the why uh, and the how and where should we be going. And so that's, that's a side of uh, um, understanding customers that just doesn't really come out from analytics. So they're pretty complementary. Yeah, yeah. Ian, do you have anything to add? Or? No, I actually think that was a, that, that's, that's totally right on. Great. Um, so I was wondering, uh, from, from your perspective, from your two perspectives, um, what do you think that the, the sort of missing pieces are right now in a, in a lot of what developers are doing? Even some, maybe some of the developers who are, who are doing better uh, on their own, maybe without, without using third-party tools um, with customer retention. But what do you think the pieces that most commonly get forgotten are? Sure. So I think... Um there are two things, right? So the first is trying to understand their acquisition channels and activities much better. And I think this is where the Tune team does a really great job. Uh, and I'm always surprised to find that people 
um, aren't using them or haven't heard of them because they'll help you understand organic acquisition. They'll help you understand paid acquisition. They'll help you understand really importantly which acquisition channels are leading to the right customers. So when you're thinking about retention, it's not really fair to you, your team, to think that everybody should be retained. It's, it's really important to understand which customers are the right customers for your app and, and what their retention dynamics are. And so I think a tool like the, the suite coming out of Tune helps you really understand that acquisition activity. And then um, the other side of it is, is that post-install activity that really means that you have to have uh, ways to engage customers on a regular basis. So that's, that's what we do, right? In-app communications for customers help you get those people back. But like in general, you should be thinking about once somebody is downloading your app, what are you doing to connect with them, to learn from them, communicate with them? So um, more and more people, I think, are starting to understand that there's value in push notifications, in-app communications, actually using email marketing intelligently. All of that is, uh, it should be part of your, your tool set and you should be thinking in terms of uh, the acquisition phase and then the post-acquisition phase. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, Ian, I wanted to, to get your response to, to something that I think Roby was getting at. And, and it reminds me of something that's sort of a, a an old sales mantra. You don't sell to non-believers. The, the idea that there are certain people, even after maybe they've come into your app, if you're a developer, who are just never going to come around. I was wondering from your thoughts as a, as a person who works on acquisition is there, do you think that you can tell beforehand, are there certain people you can see when they download the app and sort of the way they came to it and their first few interactions with it, you've just got to let go? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, you know, we see this all the time now where um, people are starting to get very smart about understanding what channels are working for them, what channels don't work for them in particular, right? Um, so whether that's a, that's an ad network or whether that's a, uh, just paid in general or organic in general or whatever the case may be, uh, it turns out that you can start to get smart about what is working and what's not working. And then you can even dive deeper, right? Like, why isn't something working? What's the behavior of, of that channel that differs from everybody else? They get through a certain action or, or a certain couple of actions, but then don't make it any, any further than that or never purchase or anything like that. Um, and you can start to say, okay, well, you know, if we can put them over this hump then and find ways to, to get past that hump, then all of a sudden they become successful. Uh, and you really just have to be smart about how are you understanding the, co- the cohorts that are going into your app and, and, how are you, uh, and how are you trying to tackle those, those cases. In some cases, that may be just stop acquiring users in that way. In some cases, that might be um, get smarter about you know, how do you get them over whatever hurdle they are, they're, they're hitting right there and, and, uh, and forcing them to become solid, successful users for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and I think that brings me to something I wanted to, to discuss with you, Roby, which is that um, I think that for a lot of people, when they think of user retention, they sort of think of like the very basic, you know, the email that says, we miss you, come back without any real content. And I want to get your thoughts on, is there any real value to that sort of mass undifferentiated um, outreach, or do you need to be going more granular than that? Well, I mean, it's like many things in the marketing arena. It's better than nothing, right? So when people actually take a, a first step to try and communicate to people who have, have disappeared or sort of lapsed as customers, you see some results. Um, but it's 
very quickly obvious that the more you tailor that more method, the more you try to refine it and provide value to the end customer, the more you are building upon a conversation and dialogue, the more effective you're going to be and the less you're going to be reported as spam. So uh, I would say if you're not doing anything at all, very quickly you want to like try and get to a place where you're doing something. But again, trying to deliver real meaningful value. And it's not very hard to think about this as your own uh, person, right? Like as, as somebody who gets a lot of email myself in my inbox, I know for a fact that some of it stands out and is really meaningful and the rest of it looks like garbage. So try not to be garbage. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a, a point that, that always needs to be made is, is that um, it's easy to forget that, uh, that your customer hears from lots of other people no matter, no matter what you're doing. Um, right. Yeah, so I was wondering if you, uh, if you two had any thoughts about what you think is sort of coming next in this space. What do you think is the, is the big area that's going to see some rapid development in terms of both what app developers are, are doing well and also what the leaders and the tools like the products that you guys are, are working for are focusing on? And Ian, if you want to start... Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the space has been has been sort of clamoring on just a better understanding of retention and engagement in general for six to nine months now, and and some of that stuff is starting to come to fruition. So I think that's a that's a key piece. But I think one one piece in particular that's been uh, that's been missing and continues to be missing is just sort of the integration of all of the different pieces of the puzzle. Uh, so being able to see in-app analytics along with all of your user acquisition analytics across both paid and organic, along with retention and engagement, um, and, and that type of stuff is is pretty fascinating to me. There's a lot of companies who have done a great job at, at bits and pieces of them, and, and I think there's a there's an interesting question to be to be solved around how do you actually make all of that useful in, in a meaningful way to users uh, and, and marketers and product owners and so on. Yeah, Roby, do you have any thoughts on, on what's next? Well, I think that um, I'll be a little contrary here. I think that it's really easy for us, especially those of us who are really like in, in this day-to-day to think about what's next from the tools perspective and how many more innovations we can create. But I think that the real macro interesting phenomenon about what's next around mobile is that we've gone from a place where mobile apps were like unheard of six, seven years ago to a place where mobile apps are, are sort of a part of the marketing puzzle for most of the largest companies around the world, right? It's not just a, an independent developer's game anymore. It's not just a game game anymore. It's, it's really every piece of the economy is having mobile apps uh, and the mobile strategy become part of the conversation. As that happens, I think what you can expect is that more and more sophistication around the people internally and how they think about um, communicating to customers, delivering value to customers on a mobile device looks and how you can innovate around that. And that means that we're likely to see uh, a bit of slowdown in terms of adoption of like really innovative stuff and a real depth around the strategies that each of these companies are employing because they're not just spending $500,000 a year. They're now spending 10, 20, $50 million a year on what is really a, a comprehensive mobile strategy as part of their marketing and outreach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, I think that's a really, 
an interesting point. I mean, the the, the expansion of, of the sort of brands as, as we think of them into mobile is is something that's that's obviously going to change the space a lot. And I want I wanted to sort of get um, Ian your thoughts on if that sort of the move towards more comprehensive strategies among the bigger players means that you're going to have to see more adoption of these more innovative techniques among the mobile first companies and the smaller actors in the space just to stay afloat. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, look, I think uh, disruption always happens and, uh, and, and that's, that's part of technology and that is certainly part of mobile. And I think we've seen that in, you know, in the credit industry with Credit Karma and the taxi industry with Uber, right? Like mobile provides opportunities that, that have not existed before. And regardless of, of how much money a, a brand can put into to marketing and, and acquisition and retention, uh, if, you can, if you can disrupt their business model, you can, you can continue to compete and, and, and beat them ultimately. And I think that's where, that's where ultimately it just comes down to how disruptive can a small player be. Um, and you're never going to be able to, as a small player, compete on, on dollars spent uh, and resources used. But you can compete on, on business model. You can compete on... Uh, on disruption, right? And that's the that's the key. Yeah, I mean, Broby, what do you think? Uh, what do you think that the smaller companies are going to have to do to to keep up with uh, with the bigger, the more established players as they move into mobile more further, more fully? Well, I think the the reality is that when you're small, you can move quickly. You do not have to be beholden to legacy process. Legacy strategy, legacy strategies, legacy business models. So you're able to experiment. You're able to be very close to your customers. You're able to um, quickly twist, change, experiment, and, and shift where you're going. And that what that means is you should be fundamentally faster at providing meaningful value for your customer base. And you, if you can do that, and it's a really valuable customer segment, you'll always be able to build a good, strong business. And thinking about it that way, as opposed to we don't have the resources of the big company, is, is how you need to be, be uh, approaching the market and the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and what it's, it's sort of what I wanted to get um, your thoughts on is, is to bring this back to, to retention and acquisition, which is sort of what we've been focusing on. Do you think that the advantage in in using customer retention, user retention strategies, goes to larger companies who can respond to more people and and you know have these departments that can that can focus on on giving individual large response people or smaller companies who have the ability to completely change what they're doing in response to user feedback. Um, Roby, if you have any thoughts. Well, I, I I think in this scenario, right when you're thinking about retention, both large and small, both companies have this need, this concern. What we see tends to be a bifurcation in strategy is that larger companies have more obstacles to being personal. And so when you're not personal, you have more challenges in terms of creating a really like emotional connection with consumers. And so larger companies might have more resources, more people, but oftentimes will come off a little less um, like a human being and more like a big autonomous, uh, like a... <laughs> big, very um, ominous corp- corporation, whereas smaller companies are able to be much more personal on the front lines and they might not have as many people to respond, so they, they, they perhaps are challenged when it starts to scale in a meaningful way, but they really have a, a face and emotional connection with consumers. And I think 
um, understanding where you are in your approach and thinking about how you want to be going forward allows you to, to really focus on your strengths. Yeah, and, and Ian, I'm wondering from your perspective, and, I'm, and you're obviously a, a, a natural discovery guy, a, a app store optimization. Do you think that, where do you think that um, smaller players are going to be able to, to make strides moving forward in discovery? Where do you think that they're going to have the advantage without the resources to, uh, to challenge, you know, some of these larger, more established companies in, in you know, advertise, raw advertising power or brand recognition? Yeah, you know, I think um, I think there's a th- there's a few things playing into their hands. One is that they can they can sort of be riskier and try things that brands wouldn't wouldn't normally do. And I I don't mean that in any sort of black hat way, right? I, I just mean that in um, in in sort of the they have they have a wider breadth of what's available to them, whereas a brand has to be protective. Um, that's that's thing number one. Thing number two, I think, is that we're, we're actually seeing some some really interesting shifts in, in actual technology for things like search in the App Store. Um, so deep linking is a big a big piece of that. And uh, going back to what Roby said, speed is something that that startups and and indie folks can do a lot better than than large folks. And and as things like deep linking come into the forefront and and make search better and make search more sophisticated. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see those folks be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, I think that, that there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool stuff going on in, in this space with with the new technology, deep linking, and, and these new app discovery tools. And you know, every release, it seems like the app stores get better at, at allowing feedback and also at uh, at improving discovery methods. And I just wanted to um, to see what you guys thought with uh, with especially with iOS eight coming out. What you guys think the uh, the biggest changes coming up in new software platforms are going to be um, in the discovery space and in the retention space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think iOS 8 is going to be fantastic. iOS 8, uh, as part of the new iTunes Connect, includes some really interesting data that hasn't been exposed to to developers and marketers yet. Um, So thinking about things like how many App Store um, detail page views do you get? How frequently are people actually looking at your app in the App Store? That's super compelling. I think um, I think some of the conversion and, and stickiness things that they're looking at is going to be really, really great. So it's it's interesting because you're actually seeing Apple open up and, and report on things that traditionally we would have thought Apple never would have done. But I think it shows that to Apple, discovery and and developer understanding and insight is really really important as part of the platform ecosystem and and success and uh, and they're investing in it and that's something that I think excites me a lot and I think it should excite developers a lot as well. All right, um, and Roby, I know obviously there's less um, sort of headline grabbing stuff uh, coming up in the new. Uh, iOS and Android releases for uh, for retention, but if you have anything that's exciting you about what's coming, well, I, I think there are actually two headlines, and the first is the interactive notifications are here on both platforms. For a while, it felt like Android was was kind of ahead of the game in terms of how they're handling notifications in the notification center, and I think iOS eight brings out some significant improvements. So we'll see some more exper- experimentation around that. We'll probably see a bunch of failures around that in terms of people being too noisy around using push. Uh, but those are tools that are 
getting advanced um, in, a, in a meaningful way and are going to be helpful in retention. And I think the second is much more about what the app publishers can do using um, the ability to use extensions in iOS 8 so that you as an app developer are providing value across the experience a consumer has even in other apps. And I think extensions are going to be a really interesting way that just in general helps win consumers to spend more time in, in applications and, and less time on the direct mobile web. Awesome. Uh, I think that uh, just to sort of ask one more uh, a forward-leaning question, something that's on a lot of people's minds right now is the increasing amount of, of connected stuff around the phone and, and with the Apple Watch announcement. There's been a lot of stuff about that. And I was just wondering um, whether you guys thought that there's going to be, that's going to sort of increase the opportunities for user retention and discovery in, in by allowing you to differentiate yourself on a watch or, or to use that as a, as a more direct notification method? Or do you think that, um, that that's something that that's going to be more, you know, related to app function than, than app business, uh, concerns and, and app business strategy. So, um, Roby, if you want to start talking about, uh, maybe notifications on that. Yeah. So I think regardless of if you buy into the watches, uh, being the right way for this to go, or if you're going to have a watch or not, because I think we'll we'll see how this plays out. Jury's still out. The clear direction is, as consumers, as people, we have more and more connected screens around us, and as publishers and software developers, we have more screens to program for. So the the challenge and the opportunity is to figure out what it looks like to touch base with a consumer on multiple different screens without bothering them, but recognizing that you now have an opportunity to talk to them in multiple different ways. And the companies who get that right are really going to win in an outsized way. All right. And um, Ian, do you think that, that these increasing number of screens is going to, um, to give developers a chance to, to sort of differentiate themselves and stand out in the app store? Or, or is this going to be something that, that doesn't really change the game for discoverability? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, like it, it, it will, it will provide additional avenues. There's, there's almost certainly going to be a section of the App Store that has to do with things that are available on on an Apple Watch, um, things that are available for Apple Pay, right? That that is whether or not that's just editorialized by Apple or or more widely uh, available. Who knows? But I think in either case, there's more opportunities there, and that's a good thing. And I think, you know, connected devices, the Internet of Things, whatever you want to call it, that's, that's ultimately it's just a great, great opportunity to hit your consumers where they care about you. And that is, that's the ultimate discoverability, right? Making sure that they can find you where they need to find you. All right, great. Thank you both for coming on. Thanks, Thanks. for having us. listening to Voices of the Industry. For more podcasts, visit the Apps Alliance at devsbuild.it or subscribe on iTunes.